You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certificate courses and how we'll get you there. This episode is brought to you by ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company building a more fact-driven world with consumer-grade search and AI-driven analytics. With ThoughtSpot Everywhere, you can embed a highly interactive analytics experience into your data app and take your user adoption to the next level. Learn more and try ThoughtSpot for free today by visiting thoughtspot.com everywhere. Today, we are joined by Typeform's CPO, Irana Wasti, as she shares with us her insights on customer centricity and why it's so crucial in today's increasingly remote world. Businesses exist to solve a customer's need, which is why it's so important for us to pay attention so that we can address this need for them before the competition does. Thank you for that introduction. I'm excited to be here together with you to discuss customer centricity, which is a really important topic and a topic that's near and dear to my heart. As I talk today about the different ideas about how to achieve customer centricity and why customer centricity is important, let's start with a quick introduction. My name is Irana Wasti, and I'm a Chief Product Officer of Typeform. I've been in the product management industry basically my entire career. I grew up as a product manager at a company called Intuit, which is really well known for training customer-centric product management skills. I then went on to companies like GoDaddy and recently joined Typeform. So I'm really excited to share my best practices, my reasons why customer centricity is important, and to have a conversation with all of you. Why do businesses exist? Businesses exist to solve a customer need. A customer could be a large business, a small business, a customer could be a consumer. Whoever the customer is, businesses exist to solve the needs that those customers have. And how do customers reward businesses? Well, they vote vote with their wallets. Customers have lots of options to choose from. And therefore, when customers choose your company, your business, and they vote with their wallet, that's a significant milestone for the business. Now, not all paid services that are out there are fantastic, customer-centric, delightful, and wonderful, and chosen by the customers. Unfortunately, some are less delightful, but mandatory. But for the most part, a lot of us, if not most of us, operate in quite competitive environments where we need to stand out from competition. We need to deliver the customer value that that customer is looking for. We need to deliver delight to the customer in order for the customer to choose your company, to choose your solution experience, and to vote with their wallet. When there's lack of delight in the customer experience, when the businesses deliver on a solution, but they didn't focus on the customer to solve it, they didn't focus on customer delight, that opens room for competition and disruption. More and more businesses are coming to the table or emerging because they're not just solving a customer need that has already been solved in the past, but they're solving it from a perspective of a customer. They're focusing on the customer first, and by solving solving for the customer first, by delivering that delight to the customer, as well as solving for their business need and problem, they're able to stand out from the competition. Let me give you an example of that. Forms have been around for a really long time. All of us have had the experience of filling out forms offline, online. Form as a concept has been around for a really long time. Forms do solve a business need. They collect information, they gather feedback. Again, some forms are mandatory, but they've been around for a long time. And well, we can let's see if they're delightful. I know as you're following along on this recording, um, let's 
uh, please, please play along with me. Raise your hand if you've enjoyed the last experience you've had of completing a paper form. So think about the last paper form you had to complete. Was that an enjoyable experience? It might have been mandatory, but was it enjoyable? Now let's vote again. Raise your hand if the last online form you completed was a fun experience, a delightful experience. Think about the last online form you completed and think back on what that experience. Did you complete the form and think to yourself, well, that was fun. Here are my last two experiences with forms. My last paper form I completed was a driver license renewal form in California. It's a mandatory experience. I wouldn't exactly call it delightful or fun. I had to fill it out. It was a no choice option. Um, it's an old standard form that probably hasn't changed in a long time, but it was mandatory. And so I did it. My last online form I completed was a passenger locator form, which is mandatory to enter UK via a plane. It's a really long form, even though the screenshot says four steps, they're really long four steps. Um, it asked me for a lot of information, oftentimes very repetitive information. Um, it asked me for information that once I give one piece of information, should have known the rest of it, but I had to fill it out over and over again. It was a mandatory experience. I had to fill it out to enter UK, but it was definitely not delightful. It was definitely neither of these forms are designed with a focus on the customer. They were designed to get the job done because the job is mandatory. The, the form don't need to be innovated. They, people knew whoever created these forms knew they're going to get filled out. So in summary, were these forms delightful? No. Were they fun? Definitely not. Were they customer friendly? Absolutely not. But were they mandatory and therefore they got completed? Yes. So here comes the disruption. How do you disrupt the space of a form, which again, existed for a long time, but are never really customer centric and customer friendly? Well, meet Typeform. Typeform is the company that I joined six months ago, which was founded on the innovation of how do you take an online form interaction and turn it on its head, make it customer centric. In this case, customer being both the business that puts the form together and the respondent who has to respond to the form. How do you make that experience customer centric, delightful, easy, fun? Dare I say fun? And that's what we hear from the customers when they fill out the forms. These forms are fun to fill out. This is an innovation and a disruption that entered the marketplace several years ago because there was a need to, there's a need that other companies have solved for, which is online interaction, but there was opportunity to bring in customer centricity, customer delight, and create a whole new space and a whole new set of online interactions that focus on the customer and generate that customer delight, that generate that customer fun. That's a great example of why customer centricity is important. It's important because the businesses are here to solve a business need, but in order to win the share wallet of the customer, they need to be able to delight the customer. They need to create that experience for the customer that the customer will choose to return to or choose your experience among competition. So let's talk about some of the examples of how we achieve customer centricity. There's some really good ideas and examples that have been used in the past that achieve customer centricity, both in physical spaces, which was very relevant up to about a couple of years ago before well, all of us went remote and digital. And now we're all emerging in some kind of a hybrid way as businesses have half still staying remote, half are opening up offices and generating some kind of a hybrid environment. 
There's been online ways to achieve customer centricity in the past that have their pros and cons. And then there's one unique way that I will go deeper in and discuss, which is my favorite way of achieving customer centricity. So a couple of examples of achieving customer centricity in physical spaces. Amazon achieved that with create always putting an extra chair in their conference rooms and their meetings. That empty chair stood for the customer. That way, the voice of the customer or the idea that the customer's present would always be there. At my former company, GoDaddy, we created all our conference room themed after a customer. And yes, this one was themed after a brewery, but all the conference rooms around the world that we've had were themed after a customer. And that way, when we were having a discussion in that conference room, we were surrounded by the customer. We had the customer presence among us. We knew the customer. We can refer to them by their name. We knew what their business was. And therefore, there was always customer present in the discussion. And then there are online or digital best practices. Most companies use Net Promoter Score to gauge how their customers feel about their experiences, what's working, what's not, why we have promoters and detractors. There are many people use online surveys. Many businesses use online surveys to get ongoing feedback from the customer. There's many versions of feedback forms, which happen via in product. They happen via email communication, all other communications. So there's lots of way to gather data and co collect feedback from the customers. And these practices are great because they happen on an ongoing basis, which means there's always new feedback. And they provide constant stream of feedback and information for product managers, product marketers, designers to dig into to improve customer experience. My favorite uh, practice of achieving customer centricity is... This episode is brought to you by ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company building a more fact-driven world with consumer-grade search and AI-driven analytics. Build stickier product experiences by embedding ThoughtSpot Everywhere's interactive analytics interface directly into your data app or product. No more delayed release cycles or incremental UX improvements. ThoughtSpot Everywhere's developer-friendly platform replaces static dashboards with an interactive data experience in minutes, allowing users to intuitively dig into their data and trigger actions in their favorite business apps. Learn more and try ThoughtSpot for free today by visiting thoughtspot.com everywhere. My favorite uh, practice of achieving customer centricity is a practice that was defined by the founder of Intuit, Scott Cook, who, when creating a Quicken software back in the day of software being sold in boxes in the, uh, in the stores, would wait in the store for a customer to buy the software and then ask that customer if he can follow that customer uh, to their office to see and observe how the customer uses the software to learn from the customer's firsthand usage of the product, not what the customer says about the product in the survey, but to observe how the customer actually uses the product as part of their day in a life to gain additional information. And so the practice that I've learned back into it and has, have taken it with me with every company, every product I've been on are the follow me homes. Now, by definition, it says, follow me home. And no, you do not go into necessarily into your customer's home, although sometimes you do if you're invited. That does not mean stalking your customers. What this means is an idea is to represent of how do you enter the customer environment, be it at their office location, and sometimes be it at their home location, wherever the customer invites you. And you are there to observe and learn what customers do and how they go about completing their key jobs. You're not there to survey them. You're not there to interrogate them. 
You're definitely not there to tell them what they're doing right or wrong. You're there to observe. Depending on what your business solution you're trying to build, you ask the customer to proceed in doing their job that, that you're thinking about. So for example, I, when I worked at Intuit, I used to run the point of sale um, technology or point of sale product. So I would go with my team to the stores that used our point of sale solution and to the stores that didn't use our point of sale solution and observe them going about their business of selling something to the customer, managing the inventory, collecting customer information, everything that has to do that surrounds that point of sale experience in the store. So you're there, observe how the customer goes about competing their job. You're there as an observer to watch, to watch for what the customer does, what the customer says, but you're also there to watch and see how the customers, the customers feel at different times of doing their job. What are the workarounds they created in order to get the job done? Sometimes the workarounds, you, you observe the workarounds, but to the customer, they're just part of their doing their job. They don't stand out to the customer times as they do stand out to us. Sometimes those workarounds were created to fill in some kind of a gap some kind of frustration that they couldn't solve otherwise, so they created their own solution. The best part about Follow Me Homes is that you never know going in what you're going to learn and what you're going to take away. So in order for Follow Me Homes to do their job, going into them, prepare to be surprised. When you open yourself up into, know, into realizing that you don't have the answers and neither does the customer, but you're going to observe and look for the answers, you're going to look for unspoken pain points. You're going to look for those workarounds. You're going to look for those emotional highs and lows, which will then help you find the insights. And as I said, I've deployed this practice at every single job I've been at, managing any kind of product, whether it was point of sale solution and payment solutions at Intuit, whether it was productivity solutions that I managed at GoDaddy. I've done these in every country I visited. Because the customer needs, even though we might be building the product as the same team, the customer needs very, very much so around the world. Done them in US, I've done them in UK, I've done them on my visit to India. And every single time I've walked away with a new insight, a new learning, a list of new opportunities to pursue. Here's another example that I've observed myself firsthand of the customers potentially saying one thing, which is what you'd get through a survey and actually seeing what it's like in reality. Oftentimes in the survey, back in the, my po uh, point of sale days at Intuit, we would ask the customers how they manage inventory and how they manage customer records. And a lot of times customers would say they have ways to manage their customer records. When you go into the customer store and you don't ask how they manage customer records, you just observe. What you start to see is some customers at the time had a box of folders with their customer names, a lot of customers at the time had a book up front by a point of sale station where they asked the customer to write in the names. There are many ways that customers are managing customer input, which on the survey shows up as a solved need, but in reality shows up as, wow, this isn't the best way to collect customer information by far. Those are the type of insights. Those are the type of pain points that you won't get from a survey. You won't get from a net promoter score. You won't get by asking the customer what help they need in doing their job. You'll only get by observing the customer. When you find those insights and when you find those opportunities to solve customer pain, 
don't forget to validate them back with the customer. Oftentimes, it's, it's so delightful to see that how what you as a product manager, as a product management or design expert, what you gain from a follow me home and you turn that back and share that with the customer, the light bulb goes off because you're proposing to solve a pain point they didn't realize they had, a pain point they didn't realize they could, that could be solved, a pain point that you and an opportunity that you identified that you can build, which started from the customer, which is ultra customer centric and goes beyond that any solution out there provides. Because you learn that insight, but observing how the customer goes about doing their job. Not because you've read something, you looked at competitors, or you um, something came through directly through a survey. Now, you might be thinking, first of all, this presentation is about customer centricity in the digital world and follow me homes, again, by definition, a very much present in physical world, not in digital world. And with all of our companies going very much remote first, how do you achieve this in a remote setting? Well, I'm glad you've asked. I joined Typeform. I switched jobs and joined Typeform during the pandemic. I joined Typeform six months ago. And when I joined the company, especially when I joined the company, I started by learning about our customers. And as you probably already guessed, one of my favorite ways to learn about our customers is to follow me homes. The challenge was that, well, we are hopefully coming out of a pandemic. That's one. And two, I'm currently based in London. A lot of my team is based in Spain and our primary market is US. So even if we were able to go visit our customers, it's not the most efficient way of flying everybody across the pond to get in front of the customers. So what did we do? What we did together with our research team in uh, at Typeform is to see if we can evolve Follow Me Homes in the new digital form. We, what we effectively did is we, we took Follow Me Homes and made them digital. And here's the punchline. It worked really well. So when we took Follow Me Home into remote digital first, remote first environment, we've basically done them over a video conference we asked our customers to be on video, and so were we, because when you're on video, you can observe the customer feels, when are the where are the moments of delight and despair. We asked, we pre-agreed with the customer, they're going to screen share with us everything that happens on their computer, so that instead of looking over their shoulder or being present in their environment, we can watch what they do, we can watch the tools they use, what's their setup like, what their processes are like, while they voice over their processes, we get to actually see them ourselves and oftentimes found qu quite a few insights by just observing what's on the customer's screens. What sort of, what are the things they've created that they don't even mention? They forget to mention because part of their process, but we observe because it looks like an opportunity. We ask the customer to hold up any physical artifacts to the video or also email us any pictures that are relevant to the discussion we've had. And we, of course, with the permission of the customer, record the whole interaction, and we have reference to it in the future. And so we've done this. We've done about 15 of them at the start. Uh, we've had many folks join around the company, so everybody had an opportunity to participate and learn. They went on for an hour and a half and two hours, which is how the physical uh, follow me home would last. And they gave us the insights we needed. We've observed the moments in delight and despair. We've observed the opportunities. 
we've gotten the insights that we've never gotten before through surveys or other means. We took a physical activity like a follow me home and we brought it online and it worked. It worked really well and we will continue to use it. In fact, it worked so well, it it served us as a foundation for when we created our product vision strategy. We've got so many amazing insights that we couldn't have gotten otherwise. So as we continue to operate in a remote first world, we're in a hybrid of a remote world. Some people might be going into the offices. Clearly, some of our businesses have reopened. Um, Some continue to operate remotely. But as we continue to exist in this remote first world, let's not forget to include the customers in the conversation. The customer centricity aspect of what will make our business succeed is still just as important as it was a couple of years ago, if not even more important. The barriers for creating new technology and new solution and getting it out in the market becoming lower and lower. And therefore, there's plenty of room for competition and you need to stand out. Your solution needs to stand out. Customer centricity will help you get there. And therefore, let's apply our practices of having customer centricity, whether it's the best practices that used to work in digital world and still work, or it's the best practices that used to work in the physical world, like follow me homes, and convert them into digital uh, way of doing, a way of um, engaging with the customer. Customer centricity is critical, and I can't underscore that enough. It's critical because it will point us in the direction of what customer need we're solving, It will help us generate customer delight when we do solve for that customer need. And ultimately, it will help us win customer share of wallet. The customer will choose our solution and will vote with their wallet because we solved their business need and we generated customer delight. Thank you. And I look forward to speaking to you all soon. Thanks for listening to the product podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com. Until next time, stay product-led.